Carl, can you hear me? I can hear you perfectly. Can you hear me? I can hear you. How's everything going? Well, wonderful now that I'm talking to you. Yeah, man. Long time no see. I know. Incredible. Incredible. I was, I was thinking about it as I was sitting down here and I realized, um, you know, we, we, we crossed paths one time, um, but that was about four years ago, I think. Wow. And it was like CrossFit Virtuosity, right? And, um, yeah, I believe so. And you had strolled through with uh, Diane Fu. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and it was so cool to me um, because when I had entered the, the CrossFit world, I came in really having been experiencing more gymnastics than doing CrossFit, frankly. And I started looking a lot at gymnastics one. Um, so in this funny way, as you, as you came walking in, I was like, in like a celebrity kind of way, I was like, oh, I know that guy. How do I know? Oh, I know him from watching videos online. How cool. But I had that moment where I was like, oh, hey, I know him. Like we're friends, but I was like, oh, wait, no, I know who he is, but we've never connected ever. Yeah, that's a funny phenomenon. I don't, I don't know how to uh, even talk about it because I find it to be kind of weird. But it's also very cool because, I mean, it allows me to do this. And uh, for the most part, all the encounters I've had have been very positive. So uh, it's a gift. Yeah, for, I mean, for somebody who is like, you know, definitely well known within the CrossFit world, you know, I can't say enough good things about that, that brief encounter because, um, you know, I was, I think I was there working on my handstands and things like that. And you were quick to be like, Oh, Hey, like I'm Carl. What's going on? Nice to meet you. Oh, I see what you're working on here. It wasn't just kind of like, Oh, Hey, I have to talk to people all the time. I'm going to go do my, my thing back here now. So I really mm. appreciate that's awesome. Well, th thank you. And I'm, I'm so glad that was the case because, um, something I think about all the time is that if I, if I met myself or, uh, well, I'm trying to meet myself as crazy as that sounds, <laughs> but if I, if I got to meet myself, I would, I would hope that I would find a person who um, can take a minute to care yeah. and, and to, to live through, yeah, those four letters, just care. It's, it's that simple. And uh, if that, was your experience then uh we can be done with this interview and we can move on good night everybody all right so why don't we start that? i'm so curious like um you know i know that you as a kid you did a lot of gymnastics you were competitive in gymnastics um and you became a part of kind of the crossfit in california how did that come to be? Where was this thing where you're like, oh, like my background in gymnastics kind of leads me into this thing? Was it just kind of the right time and place when that was happening in the world? How did that happen? Yeah, it depends on how you look at it. Uh, I was there at the right time, in the right place, with the right knowledge, with the right attitude, with the right intention. And uh, for those that don't know. I, I grew up doing gymnastics. Uh, I was technically an elite gymnast, which is uh, a gymnast who supposedly is trying to make it to the high level platforms like the Olympics. Mm -hmm. uh, failed to make it to the Olympics. 
but uh, continued to pursue gymnastics in different ways, one of them being coaching, but also studying uh, environmental science, which became my passion for several years, which brought me to the U.S. in 2004, right before graduating. And uh, where I ended up uh, doing research, but at the same time, uh, kept on dabbling with coaching in, in, in the gymnastics field. It was non-competitive, but it was the gymnastics uh, arena, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And there, finding fitness and personal training and realizing that there was this amazing language that we spoke through movement and through our bodies that could be translated into not only physical performance, whether it was in a specialty such as gymnastics, but also uh, in overall health and performance outside of the gym. And on top of that, I was also very curious about media. I was curious about how do they produce ads and advertisements and uh, movies and radio what is the deal behind media and what is the importance of it so for a little bit i was exploring ways of getting into tv <laughs> and uh, which is not something i talk about often but in that exploration uh, social media started to really emerge and with that, the fitness scene and social media kind of just starting to uh, transcend into a new way of doing things, uh, mm -hmm. CrossFit happened to appear right in front of me. Mm -hmm. And uh, part of CrossFit was understanding gymnastics. And when I was watching those who were coaching gymnastics within the scene, I felt like there was something missing. It was almost as if what they were saying sounded like, the sky is blue. Can you see? And everyone's like, yes, I can see. <laughs> and I thought it was uh, correct, but there was something missing, which was, well, why is it that we see a blue sky when in reality air, when we see it here is transparent? Mm -hmm. What is happening there? Mm -hmm. And I started talking about how we perceived movement uh, why techniques, methods have become what they were. I was interested in this. And to be honest with you, I was just making it up as I went, but I pursued the media side, which was, let me try to communicate some ideas in a way where maybe it lands for people uh, in, in a way that allows them to translate it into something of value that is theirs, not mine, theirs. I'm simply going to reflect something back. And that happened to be well-received in a very strange way because people labeled me as the gymnastics guy or movement guy within CrossFit, but it was um, something else. And here we are <laughs> 10 years later, still talking about it. We can't put our finger on it. Well, you can correct me if, my, if I'm wrong, but I get the impression it was like, because it was CrossFit at a time when it was still counterculture, it wasn't super mainstream. Because it was counterculture, like I think of like when I do jujitsu and I show up and everybody's in the locker room talking about like this jujitsu video they watched or that YouTube or this person's DVD or BJJ fanatics, this or whatever, people are all doing their research because it hasn't become so mainstream. Like there isn't like the the system that's been put into a box yet. And I think that that's 
where you landed right there, where it was like, it was counterculture and people were looking, they were, they were seeking out the information on their own because it wasn't all handed down through like the perfectly prescribed protocols and, and or perfectly prescribed and certifications and all the things that hadn't been distilled down into like the system. So it was like, oh, like I've got to look this thing up. Oh, I've got to look up kettlebells. I've got to understand what this is about. How do I understand my breathing and endurance? Oh, look at this guy, Brian McKenzie. All who, what's that about? And then also I need some gymnastics. Wow, that's like the hardest thing happening. And there was that, oh, look at this guy, gymnastics wad, there it is. And it, yeah. was just, it was just like really filled in this thing for the people who were researching because I feel like counterculture people are researching. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you're very right. And uh, that's a great perspective. And I, and I love, I love hearing that reflected mm -hmm. to me and it makes sense. Mm -hmm. Now tell me then, I, you said that you were like really focused on the, on the media aspect um, and, and potentially working in, in television. Is this like you were interested in being like a personality or what, did you want to be an actor? What was that? I don't know. There was something in me as a kid that enjoyed the behind the scenes mm -hmm. meaning how did they make this movie and why am i crying right now mm -hmm. and what's the story and who are these characters and and how is the the, the creative process um uh, managed and run and and the whole shebang so to speak uh how, how does how does that happen mm -hmm. and I was just curious about it. And there was a part of me, and this is something that I've only been able to understand as of the last five years, that when I came to the US, I came from Spain, mm -hmm. there was a part of me that wanted to be famous. Mm -hmm. I, I, I wanted to be in California and be the guy. Like, look at me, I can do all these cool things. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to be part of that club because I thought, that maybe in that club there were uh, some answers to the questions that I had. Mm -hmm. Little did I know <laughs> the answers were gonna be really painful because the truth behind the cool kids club uh, was not the truth that I was expecting. Mm -hmm. And um, what I found was that the person I was becoming within the exploration of media in the way that I was seeing it at surface level, although I cared about the depth, uh, revealed characteristics in me that I was simply not proud of. And I realized, oh, wow, this is what I've come here to do, is to peel back these layers of bullshit, so to speak, mm -hmm. uh, that need to be cleared up so I can see what's behind the, the veil, the curtains. Well, and very tempting, right, to like uh, that pursuit to become contrived and also like the way that you're presenting yourself like I mean we never talked about this but I went to school for theater in LA mm. and I popped out and I moved to New York in 2005 to pursue stand-up comedy so I did stand-up comedy for the better part of a decade like nine and a half years but wow. a lot of the things you're saying are things that I I really felt where it was like what you had to do to claw to that certain place was at least for me and I don't think it's for everybody was this experience of like pursuing what you're about in terms of your honest expression, but you also had to somehow go the other direction away from that, at least what I was finding. And, and that wasn't satisfying and that was painful and it was 
something I wasn't proud of either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's, it's very interesting. And I have a little story. It's a, it's a little anecdote, but it was an experience I had at an, uh, an event that was happening in Southern California and it was a CrossFit competition, not sanctioned or anything like that. It was just an event that was big enough that, uh, all the top people were there. And I remember towards 2014, 2015, I remember walking in to a tent, an athlete's tent. And I wasn't a coach. I wasn't an athlete. I didn't have a team. I wasn't part of the media. I was just me. And -hmm. I remember walking in and seeing people and someone said to me, oh, look, here's Carl, the the hardest working man in showbiz. And I I thought to myself, is is that a compliment or an insult? Mm -hmm. And and I was like, I think it's an insult. Mm -hmm. And that just sat with me and I realized, wow, I th- I made myself believe that here I was trying to teach people something of value and, and being a professional coach and speaker mm-hmm. and thinker. Uh, but in reality, all I'm doing is putting on a show. And that was just like a dagger in my heart. It, but I'm so glad it happened. And I'm so glad I experienced that uh, because it just comes to show that uh, – you know, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. That's true. So did that, did that provoke some, some changes in your approaches or, or even just mindset as you, as you continued on the journey or just kind of like dealing with some battle wounds and maybe subconscious like movement in other directions? Well, there were many events like that that were similar where I remember speaking of uh, my feelings and <laughs> and how important it was to uh, tap into the emotional side of uh, who we are. And I remember coaches coming up to me and saying, you know what, Carl, nobody cares about that. Just give them the information. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, what do you mean? If, if this is who we are, we experience and perceive life through emotions and our emotions allow us to identify what is it that we're thinking. Moreover, how are we thinking? Mm-hmm. It also allows us to make uh, good decisions, whatever good is. Mm -hmm. And that's where I realized that I was starting to either separate or expand, uh, in, into different realms of coaching and thinking. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I'm, I'm glad those, those happened. And, And that's really what the, the moment was, was Carl, you're, you're portraying yourself in a public way, in a way that is not aligned, doesn't match, is not putting your true values and principles at the forefront of who you are. Mm-hmm. And that, uh, if you don't deal with it right now, it's going to come back and haunt you later. So start working on it. That's, a, that's an admirable observation and admission because I think it's something everybody could reconcile with. And, and most people hit moments like this and then, I don't know, they tiptoe around it and continue on um, because it hurts. I think it hurts to like face these things and be like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to reevaluate my values and then kind of reshuffle the deck and move things higher and and move other things lower down. I think that's a really difficult process for people. Mm -hmm. So painful. Yeah. (laughs) So then you were, you're, you're studying um, earth science. Is that what you said? Uh, Environmental science. Environmental science and your coaching at what point did you walk in the door at, is, it was San Francisco CrossFit? Mm-hmm. And what point did that, when did you arrive there and was like, oh, this is where I'm going to start spending 
the majority of my time. It's interesting because I never did. Mm -hmm. I, I walked in as an athlete there looking for some coaching. Mm -hmm. And uh, thankfully, I met Kelly Starrett and Adrian Bosman back in the day. And they were my coaches and I would take classes. And I remember uh, Kelly Starrett asking me if I wanted to work there. And I said, well, at this moment, I'm busy. I have my personal training practice and I coach gymnastics over here. And so I'm, I'm just going to stay on as a member. But uh, eight months later, he said, just get your level one and coach a class. Mm -hmm. And that's what I did. And I ended up coaching a few classes. I think I, I coached Max. Uh, per week, three classes. Uh, that's when I was doing the majority of my work there. And then I would bring personal training clients there. Mm -hmm. So I had one-on-one -on -one clients uh, for a while. But maybe uh, per week, I would spend 10 to 12 hours there. I was never there full-time, but it happened to be such a powerful place mm -hmm. where um, we were in a parking lot and... Uh, there were there were no rules other than you show up, you try to set a high standard, you bring what you think is right, you challenge what you are seeing, mm -hmm. and then you give people uh, the best educational experience you can as you challenge them physically. Mm -hmm. And that was the intention. And, and it was an amazing place to be at uh, for three, four years where it was just so raw, so open, it was, uh, it was like an amazing uh, experimental um, kind of incubator that allowed us to uh, not only create new ways of thinking and speaking, but also uh, present them outwardly in ways that until then hadn't been possible. And uh, with what was happening there and the rise of CrossFit, it was just like, boom and a an atomic bomb just going off yeah uh so it was also very confusing um, because all of a sudden uh, people were coming to me i was maybe i think i was 27 26 27 at the time and talking to me as if i knew something and i'm like <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just a dude trying to figure it out but let me tell you what i know right <laughs> you know like that this up as i go yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I knew some things. Mm -hmm. And uh, to be fair, that which I knew, I had thought about a lot. I had tested. I had experimented with. I, I had a, a million ways of backing it up, not just biomechanically, but also physiologically and psychologically. And I could compare it to uh, different sports. So it, it wasn't like I was just speaking out of my ass, but... Uh, I was, I was very green and very raw in the way that I was doing it. Yeah, but people love that. I mean, that's like, that's what draws people in when they can feel like it's fresh and it's as though someone is saying it for the first time. Like that's the magic also of public speaking in any fashion where it's like this controlled accident where it's like, you know what you're going to say, but it's going to sound like it's the first time it's coming out. And that's the beauty mm -hmm. also of like someone who's green where it's like they are saying it for the first time and there's some like really attractive quality about that. Right. Like we don't want to watch the Rolling Stones play, you know, one of their songs and it be as if they've played it their 10,000th time. It wants to be like, oh, no, this is only the second time they've played this since they recorded on the album. Right. 
yeah. yeah, that that's exactly right. And you know, back to your your comedy days, you can probably relate to this. Uh, you, you go you go on on stage and you get behind that mic because you're testing stuff out mm-hmm. and you want to see what lands and how you can communicate certain ideas and mm-hmm. concepts in a way where people are like, oh, I get it. That mm-hmm. is awesome. And, and every time you're doing it, you're doing just slightly different until you polish the way and then it just becomes automatic. And the beautiful thing is once once something becomes automatic. Now you can freestyle around that. Now you can actually riff off of what's happening in the audience and the people you're talking to. And that's when things just start to really escalate. And that, that's what I was living for, yeah. for 10 years. And it was, it was epic. <laughs> and and when, did it, when, it, when did it turn into like teaching workshops and seminars and things like that? Yeah, the first workshop I taught was in around the fitness scene, like mm-hmm. proper and CrossFit was in May of 2008. Mm-hmm. And then I taught a few workshops here and there. And then it was after, uh, it was on November 28th of 2010 when I just went, okay, here I am, here's the schedule. And it just started filling up. And uh, yeah, I had a, a five-year, six-year run where it was just full. <laughs> I, think that, I think that's why you 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 came in the virtuosity. I think maybe you were teaching a workshop in New Jersey or something, and you were just like visiting some people, so you stopped through. Was that all gymnastics or gymnastics for CrossFit? What was what was that period? And and I guess maybe also explain how it evolved. I'm so curious because I can only imagine like whatever the first workshop was versus like six years later, what that model looked like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the first time I showed up to teach a workshop, I put on the hat of I'm an expert and here I am going to tell you how to do something. Mm-hmm. The The second time I realized, okay, that didn't work out because mm-hmm. they totally missed it. So why don't I just start asking questions mm-hmm. and then uh, let's see what people answer and then I'll I'll contribute in, in a way that I may find uh, some value in and, and it can be applied to what they're searching for. Mm-hmm. So the, the seminar that I was teaching uh, most of the time was a product of me asking questions, answering their questions, and just curating something that was um, kind of, it felt like almost the, the perimeter of what CrossFit was, mm-hmm. which was, it was this, bridge between the old way of thinking about fitness and now thinking about it from a movement perspective Mm -hmm. applied to uh, completing a task in the most efficient, effective way possible. Mm -hmm. And, And that's how it kind of evolved. And eventually what would happen is I would show up at seminars and I would speak and people thought I was reading their mind or that I was 10 steps ahead of them. Mm-hmm. But in reality, I'd just done millions of repetitions and everybody uh, after a while ends up asking the same questions. So we all end up in the same place. And I, and I could answer questions mm-hmm. from 10 different perspectives in one sentence. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, people would say, you're such a genius. And I'd be like, I know, I know, <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm just so smart. So then there was a period where you were like, you were more like a loose framework and then you would ask questions and, and see what people were interested in. And then you'd start filling in the seminar, like kind of um, improvise. Yeah, Kyle, there was no framework at first. Oh, okay, awesome. it, I love that. 
it was a it was a total uh, just freestyle. That's that's why my thing one is one day freestyle. or a two day one day or two day workshop. One day, but a, but a whole day. Yeah, eight hours. Oh, that's amazing! <laughs> I love that. That is great. That's great. Yeah, the way I thought about it was, oh, I could teach eight eight classes in a row. Uh huh. I'll just put a theme on each one, and that's it. Oh, I, I love that. I love how you start breaking things down like that. It actually reminds yeah. me of when I was a kid and my parents would be like, oh, we're going to go do this thing. We're going to do it. It's going to last like whatever, six hours. I'm like, okay, well, that's 12 Nickelodeon shows. I can do that. That's the way that's I'm, it. That's so amazing. So at some point yeah. though, because of all the improvising, you started like narrowing it down into like, okay, these are like the things that people are interested in. And what did that research tell you? Well, that research told me that people struggle to think for themselves. Hmm. And the other thing that it told me is that teaching is not sharing information, but ex helping or assisting in extracting the information that already exists within one. Hmm. And, and the best teachers are the ones that can create environments that are conducive for someone to share and explore what is inside and express it in the body, in language, and writing, in art, in, in uh, technology, mm -hmm. uh, in politics, economics, socioeconomics. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it just unfolds like that. And that's the, that's the, that's the beauty of it is that um, what I learned is that people just needed one permission and two, a space to unfold. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's all I was doing. I was just creating that space for people. And it was, and it was always a one day workshop. Well, yeah, it, it, it evolved into two days. I did advanced stuff. And that was now when I was getting into a place where uh, I had to sell myself. <laughs> and, oh, people wanted cool tricks. I couldn't just talk about a push-up. You, you had to tell them, hey, if you do this, you're going to get this other thing. Right. And that's when I realized, wait a second, what am I doing? I'm, I, I'm, I'm tricking you and I'm tricking myself. This is not even what I want to do. And I... I was thinking yeah, I, I was setting people up for I was setting people up for failure that way especially yeah, I, myself. I always think that that's like the the great tragedy of like the fitness thing is always like having to justify always having to be an exact reason for something there has to be like it has to make always make sense for somebody to be like oh okay well then I'll take a step forward and like I don't know maybe your reason is different from mine maybe your sense is different from my sense but this is this really interesting thing you know you and I might each climb to the top of Everest and you might get to the top and think one thing and I might get to the top and think a completely different thing. And that's probably exactly what would happen. Yeah. Yeah. That's basically it. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. I, I, I love that you improvised eight hour workshops. That's the best part of this thing so far. I love that. Yeah. My wife would always say, so how do you know what you're going to say? I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. until I show up yeah. <laughs> and I kind of knew you know you when you get in the, the most important part was to uh, say hi to everybody so I was like hey how are you where are you from just kind of hearing mm -hmm. who they were and then immediately I could just anchor into one of these people who had said something that resonated with me and then that was my catalyst to get started so just so you know you're pretty much a stand-up comic Nice. Yeah. I'm, I'm just not funny. <laughs> what, what, is, what is the club, though, that's like right there in San Francisco? Uh, there's a the Cubs, Cubs Club. 
Hobbs, yeah. yeah. Listen, you should go down there and ask for an eight-hour set. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see if I can do it. Yeah, impressive. So did how did, um, and maybe there was no response, but was there ever sort of like this, uh, I don't know, animosity or anything between like the seminars and things that CrossFit was running and and people like you going out and doing your seminars and workshops that weren't connected to CrossFit because they have their own thing in business that they want to like have happening inside the CrossFit gyms or it seems that way. Yeah, for sure. When I came in, it was not fun for some people that mm -hmm. sucked because it was kind of like, Oh, this guy's coming in kind of hot. Mm -hmm. Uh, maybe we need to make him part of our team. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I basically said, I'm, I'm interested in seeing what you're doing, but I'm going on my own and I'm interested in collaborating, but I'm not going to be in your team. I know that as soon as I marry myself, I'm actually um, going to do a disservice to uh, my community here and my overall goal, which was confusing because one, I had the ego side, which is like, let me grow this as big as I can. And two, I just knew that the uh, the less amount of ties that I had, the faster I could move, the freer I could be, and the more I could create. I, I just had an, a need for that creativity. And that's why in the beginning of my kind of CrossFit public display of knowledge, I talked about two things. I talked about how to do a backflip as fast as you can. Mm -hmm. That's the shiny object. And mm -hmm. two, about the importance of how one movement carries over to the next, which is this concept of skill transfer. Mm -hmm. And I knew that the backflip was going to be cool. People would be like, oh, I'm in. And the skill transfer was going to be the thing that when people heard it, they would be like, wait a second, this guy is not just talking about uh, how to's. He's talking about why and how we even arrived at that point. And uh, those who got that knew, and, and that's why I knew I had to be completely independent. And that's why I, I struggled to be full-time at San Francisco CrossFit. Uh, CrossFit headquarters asked me to work for them, and I always said no. Uh, yeah, there were specialty courses like the CrossFit Gymnastics Seminar uh, that was led by uh, Jeff Tucker at the time, and I think he's still involved. I'm not sure. Uh, we clashed a little bit, but it was... Um, it was minor. I mean, looking back, it was, it was, it was just a little political thing. Well, I can tell you it would have been a disservice if you had gone that direction. I, I took that certification and I'm very, at this point, I'm, I think, I think very little of just all things certification at this point. I, I think <laughs> the certification model does a huge disservice for people professionally and the people who are being serviced. Um, but you know, I took that certification because I was working at a CrossFit gym at the time and I was, uh, I was kind of the gymnastics guy. So they were like, oh, well, you should have the CrossFit gymnastics certification and we'll pay for half of it if you go take it. And you're just, you're learning drills. You're learning how to do drills for a class. There's nothing broader about movement, you know, like from, a, from this skill transfer perspective, it's just like, oh, people can't do pistol squats. Okay, here's a drill for people so that they can do that. Oh, you need to teach how to do kipping, whatever. Oh, here's how you teach it. Um, and I realized at the time, um, because I was doing online coaching with Ido Portal. Mm, right? Okay, yeah, yeah. 
you know, and still do, I, but I, especially at that time, gymnastics wise, I had a pretty dense skill set and they were having people demo things and they quickly learned in like the first couple hours, like, oh, hey, this guy can do everything. Like, I can't do any of this stuff. So they were like having me demo it. And then I think it was during the lunch break. They're like, oh, like, what's your deal? And I was like, oh, I, you know, do online coaching with Ido Portal. And the moment I said that, no one talked to me again. And maybe it was just something. And it was, maybe it was just something that I was reading too much into, but I was like, you had me demo like everything in the beginning. And then now you're just like, I'm not, I don't want to go near that, you know? But yeah. I did realize there was not a lot of that meatiness, you know? It was just a lot of like, hey, let's give, give you ways to let people pat themselves on the back rather than like, let's really like learn about movement. Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit of an old school way of doing things. I mean, the, the information is valuable to a certain extent, mm-hmm. uh, hi, highly technical, uh, very narrow, uh, in my opinion, mm-hmm. uh, but valuable to some degree. Mm-hmm. I, I, I simply don't agree with the, the way that they do things, and I think one can do better. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, that's a product. It's one service. Who knows what the people inside of the the certification or or the group how they're thinking? Uh, I know a little bit, but uh, for the most part, I I always try to give people the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, well, because I I, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> all, all I realize we're doing at the end of the day is just giving good suggestions, and we're just making good guesses. Like nobody actually knows anything, right? We're just uh, doing the best with the information that we have. Right. Every new piece of new information allows us to make better predictions. Exactly. So did you enjoy this like life on the road, right? Of traveling around doing this, this thing? Cause I know that that's, that's a brutal situation. Yeah, I did. I did not. Unfortunately, I, I didn't allow myself to enjoy it because I, I wanted to perform mm-hmm. so well. I mean, every seminar, every workshop, for me was like it was the last one mm-hmm. i wanted to make sure that i left there feeling like i gave everything that i had and um i was just hyper focused i was in competition mode there was no there was no balance of i'm going to relax now mm-hmm. and look at the sites and maybe you know meet with some people it was no i'm i'm hyper focused i'm going to do this job and i'm out of there so it was very uh, intense, so to speak, but I'm, I'm super glad I did it that way. And I, I got to travel to all these countries and I got to meet a lot of people. And when I was in the seminar mode, I was highly engaged. Mm-hmm. Otherwise I was completely silent and didn't talk to anybody. Uh, and yeah, uh, I spent most of my time on planes and in airports and in transit. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was the, the, the 10 years that I was traveling uh full-time meaning every week all the time uh it they were it was head down go so i didn't allow myself to enjoy it which that's my only regret if i were to have one that is exhausting though i can i can only imagine it was tough (laughs) i'm not gonna lie i I, was a lot of time on the road yeah i was playing it off like i was cool and yeah yeah this is easy (laughs) <laughs> and I would, I would say something stupid in the beginning, like, uh, 
Uh, the grind is the glam, my friends. <laughs> right. Embarrassing, but whatever. I'm, I'm glad right. I, I can see that now. Right, but that was <laughs> yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So th did that lead into you having the opportunity to write your book or was there something else that was going on when you, did you have that vision before? How did that come to be? Yeah, the way that the book came around was because Kelly Starrett uh, got an opportunity to write a book. And when he included me in some of the pictures for his book. Was this Supple uh, Leopard? This, this was Supple Leopard. It was his first book. Uh, he said, uh, you guys need to sign this guy. He, he'll write a book. And they're like, oh, yeah, we'll give you a contract. So a week later, I had a, a deal. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, there I was, 27 years old, 28 years old, uh, with a book deal and uh, not knowing what to write. And they're like, hey, write about gymnastics. I was like, oh, my goodness, shoot me. <laughs> <laughs> I did not want to write about gymnastics. And then I said, can I write about CrossFit? And they said, no, it's, uh, it's illegal, basically. You can't write about it. Mm -hmm. and, and then I spent three years just writing. Mm -hmm just documenting basically and telling them I'm almost done. I'm almost done. I'm almost, I wasn't even close. And then one day uh, I was with my co-author who was also a client of mine who was a, a neuroscientist and PhD student at the time at Stanford. Uh, I said, you know what? I don't think this is going to work. Let's do something else. And uh, he suggested we create an app. And I was like, yeah, let's do an app. And that day, we just wrote everything for the app. We created this awesome framework, which I would be curious to go revisit, actually. But that, once we wrote that, the next day we said, we have the book. Here's the book. And then wow. we spent eight months just writing, curating, and we got the book done, published it. And, and that was 2014. Wow. That is mm -hmm. amazing. That was cool. That is so funny, though, that you you got a book deal with no book in mind. No, I, I, I have been so fortunate, Kyle. I can't tell you. I've been so fortunate um, to have landed a few things in my life. And I am just so glad that there was something in me. I've, I've always felt like there's something in me that needs to be ready. And I've always been in a state where I'm like, okay, I'm preparing for that moment. I'm prepared. But what is that moment? Well, you won't know. So just open your eyes, say yes, mm -hmm. and, and welcome it in. And um, I've been fortunate enough to have a few of those moments where, where it's lined up and then, you know, you get the one, two punch bump and uh, yeah, things technically on paper uh, are, are successful. So did you end up doing one of those like um, then like book tours where you would go to bookstores or was then it still kind of like going into in the gyms? But did you, I'm curious if you did some of those like bookstore talks. Yeah, I did. Actually, I did a few uh, 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 some small bookstores, Barnes and Noble. And then I was coming back from a trip to Sweden mm -hmm. and I looked at my calendar. I was terrible at managing my my calendar at that time. I looked at my calendar. I'm like, oh, my goodness, I am scheduled tomorrow to be at a book signing at Costco. <laughs> OK, and I and I I go the next day. I land here in San Francisco. I don't go down to Costco. <laughs> nobody showed up nobody that and there a, I was that's a giant I was, venue to have nobody there nobody 
I, my, I was basically sampling my book. Mm -hmm. oh. it, it that, that was the moment I realized, wait a second, these book tours without uh, really pushing it, promoting it and, and doing it does not work. And that's when I said, Hey, I'm not doing any more book signings at, at, at Barnes and Noble, at Walmart or anywhere like that. Uh, I'll just go to gyms and sell it through my seminars. That's a good idea. I mean, you have that yeah. captive audience at that point that's already there for that thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because I've heard these stories where it's like, you know, they set up these, these um, book signing or talk events and, Sometimes there's like a line around the block for certain people. And then there's ones where it's just like, like you said, nobody is there, but because the publisher, I guess, you know, sets up these small tours. It's like, you got to do it. That's part of the, the deal. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm talking about pushups. I'm not Michelle Obama. I was, I wasn't in the white house. So I, I'm not selling out stadiums or anything like that. Yeah, I think the reason I asked is because like where I was living in Brooklyn, like we had this really cute little bookstore right on the corner and I was trying to imagine, I'm like, what would this look like with Carl talking about, you know, these things in this little space in like a really like hipster part of town, like in a basement of this little tiny bookstore, because I feel like it's the type of place that would be like, oh yeah, we're bringing in all these different people. Um, so I'm happy that it was, it was short lived and you just went the, uh, the gym route with it. Yeah. But that being said, in a small bookstore, you can crush. Yeah. You can you can really do some great stuff, and that's that's where I think I thrive. I thrive in uh, obscure places. Uh -huh. Yeah. So what, what, what what would those talks be like? Would you do the same thing? Would you kind of show up and improvise it, or did you have a more of like a oh this is what I want to talk to you about? That's from my my book. I would also improvise. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> most most stuff is improvised. Usually, how it works is. Uh, it's on my ride to the the spot or on the plane. Mm -hmm. I just kind of fit. I just kind of feel what is it that is coming up for me right now? What is it that is resonating? What is it that I'm excited about? Where do I feel a little bit confused? Mm -hmm. And can I create a framework right now? Just one, two, three uh, little marks that I can hit, uh, mm -hmm. and then present that and basically have an intro and outro and just let the middle be whatever it is. Um, so yeah, that, that's, that's really what it is. And, and people at the end of the day, if they've read any of your work or they're even curious about you, mm -hmm. they, they will listen to anything, uh, that's resonating with you. And when, when it resonates with you and you speak it in a way where it, you can really feel it and you allow for the emotion to and the story to be at the forefront Pe people engage with it and once you get engagement it just it, it's uh yeah self-regulated so to speak I'm telling you i love this about you i love that so much so mm -hmm. then what turned in what how did the 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 strike movement brand become the next thing i mean i don't was that connected to the book or was that something that kind of spawned out somewhere else because I noticed, I don't know, maybe like two, three years ago, all of a sudden I saw it like everywhere. You know, I, I love watching uh, Ninja Warrior because I think there's a real brilliance about that show. And I think people get caught up in kind of like the fire and the things that are going off. And I'm like, of all the things that are happening on television physically, this is really amazing stuff. 
with really amazing disciplined practitioners doing it. And I don't think that people watch it really get it, but I was, I love watching it. And I was like, Oh, there are the strike movement shoes. All these guys are wearing the, the strike movement. Yeah, that's cool. That, yeah, it's a, it's a, that's an interesting phenomenon. Uh, I actually, the way that I uh, gained a little traction in the beginning of uh, CrossFit there in 2008, 2009 was because I auditioned for Ninja Warrior, got in, mm-hmm. and then I fell on the first obstacle on the steps. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but that that audition uh, video uh, made the rounds Mm -hmm. around CrossFit and and it just uh, caught a little attention but um, Strike Movement appeared when I was sponsored by Reebok and I was working with them and I was very interested in learning the ins and out of of the business because I realized that although uh, a shoe company or a footwear p- company is is creating a tool that's supposed to help you perform. What it really is doing, it's a vehicle for uh, deploying a message. And at the time that I joined Cross uh, CrossFit and and Reebok, they had just started working together, and uh, they were trying to figure out what the message was. So I was very, uh, I was paying a lot of attention to what they were trying to say through the shoes. And then I realized that the company was too big uh, for me to be able to participate in the way that I I wanted to participate, that I just became a number. And not because the people there didn't care about me or I didn't put in the effort or I didn't try. It was simply the machine was too big, the culture was too rigid, and uh, it didn't it didn't make sense at that moment. So um, I was at the CrossFit Games and I was filming uh, a pilot uh, episode for a potential TV show mm-hmm. uh, that was directed by um, Sal Masakela, who um, is, a, is a good friend of mine now. Uh, and I, I, I owe him so much. Uh, he, was, he was helping me out and he said, you need to meet this guy, Mark Morissette. And I said, okay, who's, who's Mark Morrissey? He was like, oh, he's one of the first ever pro snowboarders. I was like, oh, cool. would love to meet him. Let's go interview him. Mm-hmm. So uh, Salema tells me, let's, let's, let's go find him. And we, we find him. We find Mark. And I do a little interview. And uh, we're doing this interview. And um, halfway through the interview, I, I look down and I'm like, oh, this guy has some cool shoes. And, and he says, yeah, yeah, I just started this company called Strike Movement and uh, we're, we're promoting the shoes right now. And I was like, oh, I would love to try some. If, if uh, I, I can get some, let me know where. And uh, a few weeks later, he sent me two pairs and I started wearing them. I realized I started to bring them with me everywhere. Uh, I would teach a seminar in Reeboks. And then after the seminar, I was like, where are my strikes? <laughs> and then I'll put these shoes on. And uh, I remember telling one of my business advisors, I said, I'm not going to sign uh, a renewal contract with Reebok. I, I'm going to go all in with, with strike. And he's like, no, you're crazy. Don't do it. Uh, yeah, six months went by. My, my contract with Reebok was over. I went all in with strike. And then I brought him in and a bunch of other investors. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that's kind of how it, it happened. And, and it's, it's been unfolding uh, ever since. It's been seven, eight years almost now. Wow. Like I said, I mean, I was like, I knew of it. And I think it was just because I was like, at that point, maybe on the periphery of the CrossFit world, teaching movement. 
And then, like I said, I'm watching Ninja Warrior and I'm like, oh man, there are those shoes. I thought, you know, it was like, to me, it was like one of those things where it's like, you had to be like in the know. Um, so I was, I, I was really impressed. I was like, oh, this is, this is good news for that biz. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. I mean, right now we're, it's, it's, it's a little slower to, to be honest, but I, I can see it taking off one day and, uh, and really going, but what we have right now is awesome. The, the team is great and, uh, the product I, I, I still love and I'm, I'm involved and, uh, yeah, it's cool. It's a, it's a, it's a fun byproduct of everything that was happening back in the day and that I can still feel like it's exciting today. Yeah, like it captures a lot of like the the creative energy that you were always kind of exploring early on. Yeah, and it's seasonal. I mean, it goes through cycles. You know, sometimes a business is very creative, very dynamic, and other times it's just very mechanical. And, and yeah, right now we're going through more of a mechanical phase, but I can I can sense where as this pandemic is happening, of course, it's very stressful and it's very tight and it's uh, it's rough on every end. Yeah, yeah, but we'll get back into the dynamic part. So I'm curious now, like, you know, what is your practice like? What do you, what do you do now? You know, you come from, you're somebody who, you know, this crazy competitive gymnastics background. So I assume that's not where you spend much time. Um, but I'm curious, like, what, what are the things that you're researching um, physically or practice wise, even if it's not, you know, some sort of necessary like physical practice? Yeah, great question. Right now, my main focus is hand balancing. And I have, a, I have a very simple goal. It's 10 second handstand, one arm on my right, 10 second full handstand on my left. Okay. That's it. That, right. As simple as that. And this kind of goes, it's counterintuitive to me because I'm usually like, oh, let's do a little bit of everything. And I always thought, well, if you choose, you lose, you know, don't specialize. But uh what has always given me great results is going down one path, mm -hmm. one rabbit hole and just digging all the way in. And, uh, since the pandemic, uh, started, that's all I've been doing, just handstands and running. Well, I, I do a little bit of a different type of running, but I, I'm out there <laughs> I'm moving on my feet, uh, some basic locomotion. And then I do some accessory work, but it's all hand balancing. I got a coach, uh, Miguel Santana. He's an amazing oh, hand balancer. People workshop with him. Yeah. Yeah. He's intense. Um, he, he's like, uh, uh, yeah, he's intense, <laughs> but he's phenomenal because he, he can speak to me in a way where I'm like, I get it. I, I hear what you're saying. And now I'm going to go do this thing that I really suck at. And let's see what happens. And uh, I've been having some major breakthroughs. Really? And so it's been, where are you at now with it? I, I'm floating, okay, on one arm and, and, the, and the other. Uh, to my surprise, I'm better on my left than my right, mm. which uh, – I mean, I've always been more stable on my left, but I didn't, I didn't think the one arm was going to come out first on my left, but it, it happens to be, yeah, <laughs> there. And, and there's just, it's, here's the thing. If I, if I started talking about it, uh, whoever's listening is going to turn this off and uh, is just going to start snoring because it's so boring as it's so subtle. It's kind of like, oh, you know, when you move your shoulder just like one millimeter and then all of a sudden your nervous system locks in and 
you, you got to be there. <laughs> I, I, I know. I mean, I'm like I'm, you know, five years, five or six days hand balancing practice. I'm like, you know, yeah. I, and then like you said, it is, it is a snooze fest for people who haven't been there. Right, and, right, right. It's uh, just and it, and it's monotonous. It's like you it, unless you're doing it every day. You, you can't make the, the, the adjustments you're making are too big when you're doing it once a week or once every two weeks, whatever the hell people do. Uh -huh. When you're there every day, it's like that idea almost like um, uh, the Josh Waitzkin book, um, The Art of Learning, like making small uh -huh. circles. It's like yeah. doing it all the time, like the circles get smaller and smaller and smaller. So the nuances are getting smaller and smaller. And I, I totally feel you. You're like, oh, you know, my, I need to be a little more externally rotated this doesn't feel quite right. The balance isn't there with this, like this, you know, it's, it's very fine. It really is. I mean, it comes even down to like the position of your tongue and the whole thing. It, yeah. it's, I got to a place where I was thinking like, huh, I can only breathe in and out through my nose. I can't use my mouth at all. It needs to be this. It has to be that, you know, and these are like the subtle things that like no coach is necessarily giving you. It's like, that's just from like, pounding the pavement on your own yeah it's beautiful i i love it i mean we could geek out on that if you want but once yeah. again it's a, it's a snooze fest yeah. get on one hand see how that feels it'll suck and then try it again <laughs> I, really, I really admire that though that, uh, to, to, to be at the level that you were at as a competitive gymnast who could obviously stand on your hands if that's where you were at and then to be like you know what i'm coming back out on the other side and i'm gonna try to do something that's really doesn't necessarily fall into the competitive gymnastics world of like, you know, being a high level hand balancer in some way. Yeah. It's, 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 it's cool. And, but you know what the, the coolest part right now, and maybe this is off topic, but I'm having amazing conversations with my idols in gymnastics, people uh -huh. that I've looked up to as a kid. I mean, I'm, I'm talking to a, a guy now who's who's becoming my friend uh who was part of the national team in spain for gymnastics and uh he, he's an olympic medalist and the whole thing right and when i was a kid uh i remember showing up at my first um camp and he didn't speak a word to me okay he didn't he didn't even acknowledge my existence and now the dude i met him uh earlier this year at a, at a meet here in california that I was just attending mm -hmm. and uh, he, he kind of started looking into me and he found my book. He started reading my book and there's a picture of me as a kid at the gym at the same camp that he was at. And he's like, Oh, that motherfucker, that's this guy. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, he called me and he said, Hey, uh, any, any chance you want to grab coffee, like virtual coffee, the pandemic has started. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. And, and he's, he's read my whole book and he's like, dude, this is great. At the same time, he's ripping it apart. And I'm like, this is awesome because <laughs> finally the thing that I, I, I wanted, which was some very critical feedback is coming my way because someone has finally taken the time to be like, let me actually study this and not just go and look at the, the techniques he's teaching. Mm -hmm. And it's awesome. And, and that has come out because I've, I've chosen to just look at one aspect of a practice, which we could call it gymnastics right now. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Man, I love that. Like I said, I took that uh, workshop with Miguel and I, I got to spend time with him because my friend, um, 
Matt Bernstein, who I think you might know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if I've met in person. Maybe I have. I yeah, but he he owns a gym out in Boulder, and I had him on here last week. Um, cool. He organized the the workshop with Miguel, so we got to spend a couple of days with him while he did the whole thing, or one I forget what it was one day. And I think I had just learned how to do like a 30 second freestanding handstand. Like that was kind of like the barrier to being able to do like his advanced second half of the day or something. Mm -hmm. And I just remember being like, I am way over my head right now. Mm. You know, like I could maybe get 30 seconds on, you know, every 10th attempt. And there are people in here who are like trying to learn how to not just be on one hand, but like create shapes on one hand. Um, yeah, cool. It was a beautiful opportunity to be exposed to the deep water. You know, I think when you're just sitting alone at home and imagining what things look like, or maybe looking on YouTube, it doesn't really connect until you're there in person. And that gave a certain amount of uh, inspiration and ambition to like the things I'd like to work on down the road. So it's going through that humility is such a, a, a powerful motivator if you allow it to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. Well, I'm definitely uh, going through it. <laughs> awesome. Well, I can't wait to see the, the progress. I can't wait to see uh, the shapes. I'm keeping it. I'm keeping a secret. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah like, you gotta, like, uh, unleash it like at like, the right moment. Yeah, I was like, I was daydreaming the other day. I was like, oh, how cool would it be to just like have a 360 degree of me just holding a one arm with a sunset? (laughs) And then I was like, oh, there there I am. My ego is back, you know? So it's so funny. It's like, I remember taking like certain workshops and things and, you know, we're talking about all the heady things and this and that. And then even the people who are the most like almost guru-esque eventually come around to being like, and then just imagine what it's going to look like when you post that video on Instagram. Right, right, right. That's very funny thing to be living through. Mm -hmm. I have one more thing only because I I looked at your website before um, we did this and I saw that you, you posted some books and things that you like and suggest and and have read. And I've read uh, a number of the ones that you, you put up there. So I'm curious, like if there's anything that you are reading or you have read recently that, has moved you or or is is challenging you or 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 you're fine you're digging in and trying to to figure out yeah uh, right now i'm not reading that much i am listening to a lot of stuff about consciousness and uh yeah a long time i started going down the rabbit hole but um who are you listening to a little bit of everything. I mean, I, I'll, I'll pull up this. Wait two seconds. Um, what do I have here? Uh, you can heal your life. Uh, Louis Hay. Louise Hay. Uh, people don't, don't really like this, but uh, there's a lot of information in there that uh, is interesting. And um, I mean, today, I, this morning, I was listening to, uh, I think his name was David Baum or Bohm. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he was an American scientist and he was kind of in between, um, the, the movement of, uh, here's Einstein talking about relativity. And then here's Bohr talking about, uh, the new way of looking at things through, uh, quantum physics. And then him saying that there's, there's something else that we're not doing. 
-hmm. and uh, he became friends with uh, Krishnamurti and through Krishnamurti and uh, his conversations, he eventually started to uh, develop a theory that uh, by the time he, he died was, was starting to be uh, accepted into the world of science. And it's basically uh, this notion that we're all connected, so to speak, is that uh, the observer is the one that's being observed. Mm. And, and that is something that uh, in quantum physics has, has, has been studied for a long time. And uh, it's, it's always compared to the theories of relativity of Einstein. And then there are people around uh, these theories that are speaking about it from different perspectives or taking that and actually making it applicable to uh, modern day living mm -hmm. and to progress. And I'm, I'm very curious about that. The reason I'm curious about this is because uh, when it comes to the advancements in technology, um, if we can't keep up consciously, we're, we're going to get completely lost. And that sense of loss is presented as a division. Uh, we see this in the United States. We're, we're, we're a divided country, at least uh, through the eyes or lens of the media. Um, and the fact that we are being presented as a divided country uh, is a, a, a product of, of this disconnect from the progress that we're making technologically versus our ability to exercise our awareness. And yeah, I'm just interested in hearing what people are thinking. And when it comes to the body, I mean, there's so many people who uh, have used the body as a tool or a mechanism for understanding consciousness that I'm, I'm, I'm going more and more down that rabbit hole. I'm totally with you. This is like, um, like I'm reading a book right now, I read the one book that is like the book on pranayama, yoga, mm. yoga breathing, um, Light on Pranayama by Iyengar. And then I'm reading another one by, forget the guy's name, but it's kind of the, the one right below that. Um, but I also just finished this like 13 hour lecture series by Alan Watts. Um, mm. Yeah, he's awesome. Uh, out of, I think it was called Out of Your Mind, Out of Our Minds. Strongly suggest it. But the book that I, I think is like totally in your wheelhouse because it's so funny how these things that we're talking about with consciousness and interconnectedness, it's like, these are things that like have been talked about for thousands and thousands of years. And again, it kind of comes back to this thing we were talking about in the beginning about like, Oh, but now in the modern world, we all need the reason and we need the like, mm -hmm. it needs to make sense to us rather than it being like, Oh, well, we've known it all along. Um, but I'm reading this book called sand talk. Um, and it's about the lessons we can learn from indigenous culture. Mm. Um, strongly suggested it's talking about a lot of the things that, uh, that you're saying here. Um, well, that's awesome. Well, I'm, I'm definitely going to check it out. Totally, man. Well, I'm super grateful that you made this time to uh, chat with me. And I look forward to whenever there's an opportunity to be able to like move and travel around again, that I'll hopefully make it out in your direction. And we'll be able to, uh, drink some coffee in person, practice some handstands in person. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the conversation and, and just letting me share freely. I mean, listen, you have a, a killer story, a killer um, humility 
surrounding the, the, the experiences you went through that I really appreciate. I don't think everyone has that thing. I think my wife and I have talked about that a lot, that like people lack that ability to be humble in that way. So I, I appreciate that a lot and in, in the, in the willingness to, to talk about it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I'm, I'm, every day it's a battle. <laughs> it's a good one though. It's a, it's a dance. It's a dance. Yeah. It just gets aggressive sometimes internally. Uh, hear you. <laughs> at some point we'll get on a, a Zoom call. It doesn't have to be recorded obviously in the future, but we should, uh, we should do this again and we'll chat. I would love it. Yeah. Thank you for having me and, and thank you to everyone who's listening. Awesome, man. Have a good night. You too. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye.